What up, Internet? This is the Pace and Space podcast coming at you once again. I am your host, as always, Calvin, and I'm with my good friend and co-host, Leif. Leif, what's going on? Man, I'm doing awesome. How about yourself? I'm doing great. Ready to come up here another week and hit the Internet airwaves with the unofficial official podcast of Kyle Kuzma. But we're not going to talk about Kyle Kuzma. We're not going to talk about Lakers. We're not going to talk about Sixers. We're not going to talk about any. We're not talking about favorite teams. We're not going to talk about the Cavs. We've got a lot of new material to talk about today, which is exciting. And I think we got to start first and foremost to north of the border. Got to talk about Canada, Toronto, the Raptors, Drake Country. Drake Country. Speaking of Drake, so the Raptors played the Rockets the other day. Rockets are sitting high on this amazing win streak. So Drake dresses the crowd before the game. And what does he do? He goes and guarantees that Houston's winning streak is going to end that very night against his beloved Toronto Raptors. And what happens? The Raptors snap the win streak. I mean, I mean, cue, cue that Drake single, you know? Cue it up. (laughs) Oh, man. But it's Drake's plan, right? We can call it Drake's plan. He knows exactly what he's doing. I mean, hey, he's the mayor over there. Yeah, he's the ambassador, the mayor, whatever you want to call him. Uh, He is Toronto. He is the face of the Raptors. Um, But I want to talk about Raptors because we've done our best not to really talk about them this year. And they've just kept plugging along, being the best team in the East for pretty much the entire season. Because even when Boston had the better record, the underlying numbers suggested that Toronto was performing at a better rate. They had a better offense. Um, they had a better total rate, net rating than the Celtics. Um, the Celtics defense has been really good all year, but you know their offense has kind of lagged behind, whereas... The Raptors have been a top 10 offense and a top 10 defense for most of the season. They are the third best team in total net rating behind the Warriors and the Rockets, who are definitively the two best teams in the NBA right now. So should we sit here and say that the Raptors are clearly the third best team in the NBA right now? To me... I mean, the record shows one thing, and I've always been one who's been pretty hard on the Raptors just because, to me, they're a boring team. Mm. But I think right now we have to definitely say that they're the best team in the East. And that's and that's something hard for me to say. It's tough. It's, it's tough to give it to them. And, and I know where you're coming from. And it's not that we don't think they're uh, – a good team that they don't perform well. It's just we've seen how this hasn't equated to playoff success. You know, they've had the 50-55, 58-win seasons where they're up top, they're top two, top three, they're winning their division, but then out in the first round or out in the second round. Um, and even, you know, it's like every time they go up against the Cavs, they just kind of lay down and the Cavs steamroll them. Um, so it seems like you kind of get your hopes up for no reason. But just in terms of the regular season, this season, the way they're performing, yeah, they they are the third best team in the league right now. 
I think that's definitive, and I think they're clearly the best team in the East. I would say they're probably the deepest team in the East right now. They're the most consistent team in the East, and they play both sides of the ball better than anybody else in the East. When you look at all these other teams like towards the top, they're good on one end but not good on the other end. The Raptors are really the only team that is top 10 in the East in both offense and defense. And so that that I think that has to mean something. But at the same time, I guess it kind of reminds you of that like 60-win Atlanta Hawk team sometimes, right? It does. Yeah, but that feels different, though. Yeah, it does. Like I get those vibes too, but then at the same time, when I go back to that Hawks team, they have some nice players. They have some solid players, but they didn't have anyone at the at the talent level of a Demar Derozan on that squad. Right. It was just a team that was there that played well together, but I mean Derozan, I must say, has definitely taken another step. Yeah, and, and it's just interesting to see how he's doing it too. It's like it's not necessary with flash, it's, but it's consistency that you can't you can't ignore, and that is one of the things that I is going to add to the success of the Raptors. Besides the fact that when you have other teams whose roster looks completely different, they take players in and out every off season. They, you know, they. The team's changes, the starting lineups changed. I mean, we don't want to talk about the cast. We're not going to talk about them too much, but we're just going to mention how their team has been redone. Mm-hmm. And it just seems like the Raptors is just the model of consistency. They've kept that team together for the most part. They've changed a few players here and there, and they're they're just accustomed to each other. And you see that on the court. And when it came to that game against Houston. You saw that. You saw that that togetherness. You saw that how they played together, and they have a leader in DeRozan, who just shows he he doesn't take the game off. He plays. He plays hard. That's what you need. And when you see that, hey, it's making a it's starting to have me take notice. Cause, you know, I think it was a, a couple of months ago. I I was hard on the Raptors. I I didn't take them seriously, but hey. I think now you have to to pay attention. You just gotta start, you know, mentioning Demar Derozan among some of the other names who might have. A, I don't want to say it, but possible case for MVP, maybe. Yeah, it's funny because when you when you look at his numbers, he's actually scales back this year. He's taking less shots. He's not scoring as much as he did last year. Um, he's shooting a bit more from the three-point range. I mean, he's not great, but he's at least he's at least trying to make that a weapon now. But what is interesting, he's he's much more well-rounded this year. Like he's much more of a playmaker. He's averaging over five assists a game. I mean, that's that's something you would have never really expected out of DeRozan in previous years. So he's adding he's adding different dimensions to his game, and I think they've scaled him back on purpose. But he's still that same guy that can go out and get you 30, 35 points if you need it. So, so that's interesting. And so when you look at the like the underlying numbers, it's kind of hard to put him up there in terms of an MVP case. 
But on the flip side, it's kind of hard to omit the guy playing on the best team in the East from the MVP race, right? Right. You can't admit him. You have to at least put him into consideration. He may not win it. He's, he's not going to win it. But I think he has to be recognized for what he's doing. Right. And so we've been talking about how this Eastern Conference is it's just kind of wide open. You don't really trust anybody. Um, and we've said that, like, to the detriment of Toronto at times. But let's flip it another way and let's let's talk about the east being wide open in their favor now um the Cavs, they're not what they used to be the celtics i still think that they're an open there's there's some open questions about that team especially when when it comes to, to them trying to find a secondary scorer um right now maybe gordon hayward comes back and he's ready for the playoffs and and he can step in and do that um i i can't just pencil him in yet i mean that was a severe injury he suffered so then you're looking at that team that's kind of uh they're not that different from last year's Celtics team where they where their offense hinged so much on Isaiah Thomas doing a lot on offense they kind of have that same thing with Kyrie um so you have them you have the Cavs um we we still got to see if this Wizards team is going to gel once John Wall comes back I mean they need John Wall to get to that next level but they've learned how to play a different way without him having the ball so can he come in and and they still and they just go to the next level we still have to wait to see that so all these question marks so i gotta ask it this way is this year is this the year for the raptors is is this year as good as any you know they've they've kind of just been like you said they've been staying consistent they've been keeping their core intact and you know that they just made like Smart move after smart move, added smart piece after smart piece, and now they have this great second unit. They have this nice core. Um, is this looking good for the Raptors to come out the East? It's looking a whole lot better than it looked in the beginning of this season. I agree. I agree. Yeah. Um, and I want to say that they're in a better position. They are. Um, I do think, though, that right now we still have teams that could still pose a challenge. Um, if if the playoffs started right now, who's in eighth? Milwaukee? Yeah, I mean, and Milwaukee gave them a real hard time last year in the first round. Right, so that's the first-round matchup. That, to me, is like, wow. And then after that, you're playing the winner. <laughs> Hypothetically, it's going to be you got the Cavs, Who's gonna be at four? So probably they're gonna make it out. That's the first round. Yeah, well, that's gonna that's be your... that's Cavs Wizards right now in the first round, right. the four or five matchup. So on on paper, when you look at the rest of the Eastern Conference, you're saying to yourself, "Yeah, you know what? No problem." It's looking a lot easier for the Raptors, but when you break it down and start putting the playoff bracket together, it's still tough. I mean, you're still going against Milwaukee. I mean that you're. That team, it may be underperforming, but that's not a team you can sleep on. Even though they're going through some things, they they might mm-hmm. get rid of their coach and their, their interim coach and bring in somebody else. They're going through some stuff over there. Yeah. They're, they're kind of a mess. They're fortunate that the Pistons are set, are in shambles themselves or else they might be looking at not making the playoffs. Um, if they still had Jason Kidd, I might be more inclined to say the Raptors – have a problem on their hands 
Um, Because at the very least, Kidd was going to put a defensive scheme out there that was going to be very problematic for any team that they would face. Um, I don't know if they still have that same edge. I don't think it's just, I don't know. You know, people didn't like Kidd as a coach, but, you know, there there's some deep defensive issues this year on that team. They're not they're not the same defensive team they were last year. Giannis is still amazing, but um, they, they just seem like they have too much going on behind the scenes, maybe. Uh, on, you know, on the flip side, I, do, I wouldn't want to face a team that has Jabari Parker, Giannis, Chris Middleton, um, Eric Bledsoe for seven straight games as an eight seed. Exactly. So, it, I mean, so we're trying to give them praise, but at the same time, we were saying they might get bumped by the eight seed. <laughs> we just we just gotta call it what it is. You yeah. gotta set. You gotta temper the expectation and realize that while it may not be as bad as bad as we're starting to make it sound like, we can't ignore what they have to go against. Right, and we still have to see how guys like DeLon Wright and Fred Van Fleet are are gonna do what they're gonna do in the playoffs because they're they're unknown, you know they're unknown quantities at this point. Um, they could rise to the occasion. They could be one of those guys that you know make a name for themselves, or they could be they could be players that you know it the the lights are a little too bright for them still at that point. Um, if they're able to step up, though, I mean, that would be huge because this team relies on that second unit so much. They've taken so much responsibility off Lowry's shoulders and DeRozan's shoulders, especially Lowry. Lowry is playing more or less like a, like a role player on this team now. They've, they've really taken away that, that, those star player responsibilities from him, and they've kind of just left DeRozan with a lot of that, but they've even, they've even given him less to do. You know, to try. I guess this is this to me seems like an exercise in, in preserving their best players for the playoffs. Just give, just you know, just giving these other guys as much experience as possible with these second units they run out, and you know, just trying to save DeRozan, save Lowry's legs, save Ibaka's legs, and at the same time get these guys as much experience as possible so that they can perform the same way in the playoffs. It's, it's not a bad strategy, but it still leaves you wondering how those guys are going to perform come playoff time. Yeah, it leaves you wondering, but at the same time, I think that's what you kind of have to do, a little bit of game management, a little right. bit of empowering some of your other players in your team to make sure that they're in a position to – to take over a game. You never know what happens. You never know what injury hits. And so right now you're setting your team up. You're getting everyone prepared. I think it's brilliant, if you ask me, to kind yeah. of take some of the pressure off and spread it around and put the ball in the hand of DeRozan and making him your, your guy. Hey, this is a team that I have to say would make you think twice. It makes you yeah. You, know, you you can't go in there and just say, all right, they don't have, have that big name. You don't you don't come in there and say you don't have that Kyrie and that and that LeBron and and those other kind names. But you literally realize is that DeRozan is that name, and I think that is something that a lot of people are gonna find out. And I wouldn't be surprised that during this this postseason, he becomes more of a household name. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, I would be I would be. A- amazed to see that that would be great to see um 
but you're right. Uh, I think from a process standpoint, I think anyone who is really into um, the strategy and nuance of basketball really has to appreciate and love what the Raptors have done this season. Um, they knew they had to change. They they saw how they were they were having great regular seasons and then getting housed in the playoffs. And Masai Ujiri, Dwayne Casey, to their credit, they, they went back in the lab over the summer and they said, we have to change, we have to evolve, we have to be different. And, I, you know, I got to give a lot of credit to Dwayne Casey because he came in and he said, Lowry, you're going to be doing different things. You're not going to have the ball as much. The Rosen, you're going to start, start shooting three-pointers more. You're going to do more things with the ball. We're not just going to give it to you, and you can do ISO mid-range jumpers all, all season. He changed up the plan. He gave, more, he gave new players more responsibilities. He's given a lot of young guys responsibilities. That's not an easy thing for a coach who's trying to get a top three seed in, in the conference every year to do. So... I love what they've done as a, as a team, as, as an organization. They are one of the smarter teams in, in the league right now. I really believe that. And, you know, I remember even before they got this good, like when they still had Rudy Gay on the team and they were and they and Chris Bosh just left to Miami and they were kind of like in no man's land as an organization. I remember meeting reading a Grantland article from then about how they were trying to use advanced stats to improve their team. And Dwayne Casey was the coach then. Dwayne Casey was the coach then. Not a lot of people liked him as a coach. They thought he was kind of a dead man walking. He was just keeping the seat warm until Masai got the coach that he really wanted to bring in. You know, fast forward five years later, Dwayne Casey, he's not just there keeping the seat warm. Like, I wanted to bring this up to you. Dwayne Casey's a coach of the year candidate. Don't you agree? Absolutely. Absolutely. He's phenomenal this year. He's done an amazing job. Right now, we have right now in this league, we have a lot of teams going up and down. We we, we got questions on some of these coaches, and he is consistent. He, in fact, he's the winner. I think he is the coach of the year. I I think I think so too. I mean, it's it's hard because there's there's gonna be a lot of buzz for D'Antoni. I mean, justifiably so. You know, they're going to have the best record in the league and they're going to have the best record in the league when you have a, you know, I guess, I don't know if you want to call them a dynasty or about to be a dynasty in the Warriors, but, you know, a team that's basically dominated the league for the better part of three years. So for the Rockets, it looks like they're going to end up with the number one seed. So to end up with the number one seed and the best record, it's going to be hard not to give it to D'Antoni in that instance. But I I do think you got to really look at what Dwayne Casey's done, how different this team has become from last year to this year, and how they didn't even, they didn't just stay the course. They got marked, they got markedly better. Like they've, they made significant improvements as a team without making any major or, or star acquisitions. Exactly. So when you look at that, like, yeah, the Rockets are amazing, but they added a superstar. They added Chris Paul. And, you know, whether you want to dock them or or praise them for that, I, I still think that it's a bit more impressive 
what Dwayne Casey has done in Toronto with this Raptors team and how impressive they've been um, all season because this isn't just a hot wave. This isn't just a hot streak. This team came out of nowhere. This team has played at this level for pretty much the entire season from beginning to end. So I would give it to him for Coach of the Year. There you go. So we're in agreement with that one. Yeah, that's good. So, you know what, Toronto, we're giving you some li- we're giving you some love, giving the six some love, and hopefully you don't let us down in the playoffs. <laughs> Please don't. I mean, I there's not it, it's it's really hard when you have to look back on the pod and just say, man, we were so wrong. I know. So I know. I I really don't want to be wrong like that. So. And that's the thing. I mean, we're negative about them, but it's because we don't want to be wrong. We want them to do well. I mean, you know, me and Leif, remember when, like, they had the, the fly purple and black jerseys when they had Vince Carter and T-Mac? Like, there's something always to – there's something nostalgic about this team, you know, that you it's easy to root for them if, they, if, they're, if they're playing well and, and they've got stuff going. It's just with the Lowry and the DeRozan dynamic, they've just – They've just kind of been fool's gold in the playoffs the last few years, and, and it just it just makes you it just makes it really hard that that coolness they had when they had Vince Carter and stuff. It kind of just got replaced by that like Atlanta Hawk ish vibe that that it just kind of took over the last couple of years. So so hopefully they can get over that and and really do some damage this year. Right, and that, yeah, I know exactly that vibe you're talking about. Yeah. So yeah, let's get rid of that and let's let's hopefully that they'll turn a corner and they can at least get somewhere in the playoffs. You know, maybe even to the finals. I'm hoping. Yeah. Well, I mean, like you said, the East is wide open. I mean, you could tell me the Sixers will get to the finals, and and I can see it at this point. I'm not even joking. It, it's wide open. Raptors, Cavs, Celtics, Wizards. Maybe Sixers. I mean, I don't know. Pacers are third in the East right now. They might make it to the conference finals for all I know. Oladipo's playing great. They've got a great team dynamic going on. They've got they play good defense too. It's just it's just anyone's game in the East. But you know, shout outs to Toronto. Shout outs to Dwayne Casey doing a great coaching job. Wanted to switch gears a bit, go back out west, talk about a team who their coach is always in Coach of the Year talks. And you could even put his name in the in the ring for the coaching job he's doing this year as well. But having said all that, they are on a bit of a slide towards the second half of this season. They were they were third in the West for most of the year. Now all of a sudden they slid down to seventh. But there's some good news possibly coming up on the horizon. The San Antonio Spurs, they struggled a bit. LaMarcus Aldridge is even out tonight. They're resting a lot of guys. They're a little banged up. But Kawhi Leonard is supposed to be coming back on Thursday. So I wanted to ask you, Leif, is Kawhi Leonard going to save the San Antonio Spurs season? I'm going to toss a question back at you. What? do you mean by save well we look at this team it's in large part the same team from last year right and that team was clearly the second best team in the west or the second best team in the league at that 
They got to the Western Conference Finals, 60-plus win team, and they looked like a team that might even upset the Warriors until, you know, Zaza Pachulia decided to undercut Kawhi Leonard and, and, ruin, and ruin that series. So when I say save the Spurs, are they going to jump back into that Western Conference finalist um, team like they were last year once he returns? No, I, I, I don't think so. I mm. think they're going to be a team who is going to make the playoffs and Kawhi will make sure that they make the playoffs. However, once they get there, I don't know what to I don't I don't think we should expect them to make it to the Western Conference Finals. We shouldn't expect to see the same Spurs that we saw um, the past couple of seasons. And part of the problem is exactly what you mentioned is that the roster has stayed the same. You still have Tony mm. Parker, you still have Manu, you still have these um Paul Gasol, you still got these these, these aging vets on the team in a in a league, in a conference that has gotten younger, that's gotten faster, that's gotten more dynamic. And Pop, yes, Pop is, is a great coach. However, you can coach whatever you want to tell the players to do. However, when they get on the court, they're not able to keep up. So what difference does it make, really, at that point? And I think that's where the problem is going to be. Can they keep up? Can mm-hmm. they can they keep up with a, a, a Golden State that's going to be all over the court or a, 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 a Rocket team that's going to be, you know, playing that up-tempo D'Antoni offense or OKC with their big three? To me, those are questions that I don't even think they're able to keep up with. I don't even know they keep up with the Timberwolves. So... Mm. Yeah, this is not the same team. I do expect that during the off season, that after the season's over, that they're gonna have to do a, a, an overhaul. I, I don't expect Manu back. I don't expect Tony Parker back. Um, I really don't expect Paul, um, Paul Gasol back. And I really think at that point, you're gonna get this team younger, still under the same pop mindset, and hopefully you have a healthy Kawhi. I don't think this is the this is the season that they need to be worrying about. I think it's building towards next season. Mm, those are all fair points. Um, I think I'm gonna go a step a step further. I'm gonna say even with the return of Kawhi Leonard. Now, granted, this is this is not seeing how he's gonna look Thursday, and how he's gonna perform. But it, I'm gonna go a step further, and I'm gonna say that. I don't even think Kawhi returning guarantees they make the playoffs. That's fair. Because when he came back the first time, he had a couple of good games, but, you know, for the, for the most part, he, he still wasn't his original Kawhi Leonard self. He wasn't, he wasn't, he wasn't there yet. And, and so when I'm talking about, is he going to, save the Spurs and bring them back to that echelon that they were last year. I, I don't think he is because I, I still have to see if he can carry the load that he carried last year because part of the reason they were able to be that good was because they were able to turn into this team where they just they turned into one of those teams where they had a high usage superstar and they kind of just did everything through that superstar being Kawhi Leonard. 
Now, LaMarcus Aldridge has had a great season, but he's been able to eat because Kawhi Leonard has not been on the court. Once Kawhi comes back on the court, and if Kawhi's her 100%, we saw how that dynamic worked last year. I don't think it's wise to assume Aldridge is still going to be playing at his level if you're going back to giving Kawhi the usage you were giving him last year. Right. So that's the thing. And then the other thing is, he might still need to. He may still take a while to get himself back to that point. He's missed for the, pretty much the whole season, and he's missed the whole season with a, with a quad injury, with a leg injury, with with a, with a soft tissue injury, which it which makes it hard for you to stay in the shape you need to stay in, in order to be ready to go right out the gate. Now you know he's getting his work in. He's probably running five on five scrimmages, but but he's not in game shape. He's going to have to work himself into game shape, you know, and those two or three weeks is going to take for him to finally, like, get back in in true Kawhi form. Like, those are two or three weeks where the Clippers and the Jazz could pass you. The, the Clippers, the Jazz, and the Nuggets could all pass you. So well, I think, but that's why I feel like even if Kawhi comes back, I don't expect him to come back and be Kawhi. Right, I, right. I expect him to come back and offer solid minutes off the or on the court. Um, they're gonna have to take him, take it easy, ease him in. And I think part of the reason why he what he isn't rushing back is to make sure that when he does come back, that he isn't a hindrance. He doesn't want a setback. He doesn't want no one Kawhi. He doesn't want to be that guy who comes in and the first game he's out plays eight minutes, right. and then. He wants to be able to come in and play at least twenty minutes. Yeah, and he's already had a setback once this year, right. so um, you know they're definitely going to. I mean, they, he's playing Thursday, so and the Spurs are better than most teams when it comes to their training staff and and making sure guys are ready to go. Um, I like. I think we're in agreement that it's it's too much to expect him to be. The Kawhi of old or of last year, um, at least for the first maybe five to ten games, and you're gonna be at, you know you're gonna be reintegrating him. You're gonna be get, the team's gonna be reacclimating to him. Aldridge is gonna have to be retraining himself on how to play alongside Kawhi. There's a lot of factors there. There's a lot of moving parts, and you've got teams. And you're doing this, and it's not even like you have the buffer of, okay, you know, we're the 3C, we're the 4C, you know, maybe we'll go down a couple of spots, but we're still in the playoffs. You're at the 7th seed now, and you're you're basically like in a 3 or 4 team uh, tug of war for two spots. Exactly. So this is getting very interesting. It's getting very tight. Um, I, I still wonder if this is going to be – a surprising year where we end up seeing Spurs on the outside looking in. And if it is, I don't think it's a, it's odd. It's crazy. But I, I said it a couple weeks ago, but maybe even last week, this is just a deep breath. That's all it is. So, yeah. And it's fair. I mean, you talk about guys like Powell, Parker, Ginobili. I mean, I wouldn't even be shocked if all three of those guys retired this summer you know let alone uh move on from the team you know just to show you you know how old the 
the core that pop is relying on how how old that core is and it's also a team that is even older than last year yes because those players are older but also because they don't have some of the younger guys they had last year like they don't have jonathan simmons this year they don't have dwayne deadman this year and those guys those guys played meaningful minutes for them and were were young and athletic and could give them the ability to run with the warriors with the rockets with these with these better teams because they they had more of a of a youthful uh ability to switch to switch you know so they they're going to have to reload and they will they'll, they'll find some guys um they're always good at that but given how tight everything is here and given how now granted he could come back Thursday he could drop 30 and he could look good to go and then that's a, then we got a whole different conversation on our hands but wisdom dictates to not assume that at this point so we'll find out Thursday yeah find out Thursday but another team in the west that's been struggling as well uh, we talked about this last last week, you know, how the Spurs and the Wolves, they were sitting in the top of the West most of the season. Now, all of a sudden, they've had some issues, and they've fallen down a bit. The T-Wolves, they've really been missing Jimmy Butler. They've felt fallen down, I think, to fifth or sixth now in, in the West, and they have made the move that everyone knew they were going to make, but they finally did it. And they brought Derrick Rose on board. So, what I got to ask you, Leif, does signing Derrick Rose help the T-Wolves hold the fort until Jimmy Butler returns? I don't think that it really moves the needle in that direction. I mean, it it does give Derrick Rose an opportunity to play, but I'm still not sure whether or not he can still contribute and give them something that they don't have without Butler on the court. So I'm not I'm not sure. I mean, he's played, what, one game? Mm-hmm. I, I'm not sure what we should expect or what we can't expect from him at this time. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. It, it's kind of hard. Uh, you know, at the same time, it's like the, the dude, he, he's not cooked, you know, no, he's not. He he's twenty nine, right? He's twenty. He's like twenty nine, twenty eight, twenty nine. He he should be in his prime right now. Um, he's had a bunch of injuries, but at the same time, those in, those injuries that that took so much away from him, he's about three, four years removed from those injuries now. He really hasn't had the. He hasn't had repeats of like the ACL injury or anything like that like he did in Chicago um I think it's more what he brings to the table mentally and strategically that might be the issue um because it's like if you get a good Derrick Rose performance it is it's not like you get a good team performance out of it you just get a good Derrick Rose performance and like how much more is he giving you than like Jeff Teague at this point 
when you when you factor that in. I don't really know. Not much. Yeah. I, I, I mean, look, I, I'll tell you this, and you know, I I, I was a Chicago Bulls fan. Mm-hmm. I was a big D Rose fan. I, I'm gonna tell you honestly. He's done. He's mm. done. It, and 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 I, I say that in that I know he has the talent. I know he has the ability, but I think when it comes to the physical ability, the mental mindset, the emotional makeup, and just the number of opportunities he has he's gonna have left, I'm not sure whether or not all that's gonna come together. And I think if it weren't for him being a, a Tibbs Thibodeau you know, former player, I'm not even sure if he would get this opportunity. So, right. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, it's it's tough. Um, I don't know if he's cooked. Like physically, I don't think he's cooked physically. I he's think he different. could. I think he could still play at, at a pretty high level. Um. I think is I think is all mental at this point. And that's the one thing that intrigues me about him going to the the Wolves is because he is joining back up with 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 Tibbs, you know. He is playing again with Taj Gibson. Even though he's hurt right now, he is interacting in the locker room with Jimmy Butler again. So maybe, you know, maybe there's a comfort zone there for him with that with that environment that can get the best out of him again. Is that all it was? I don't know. But like I said, I don't think he's physically cooked because, you know, last year he's playing on the Knicks. He scored like 17, 18 points per game, and he actually shot like one of his highest field goal percentages of his career. He was at around 47, 48%. He wasn't really an inefficient player. He was shooting 87% for the line. I mean, granted, he's not a great point guard, but he was never a point guard. He was he was a scoring playmaker. That's what he always was. N- not too different from Westbrook. The main difference between Westbrook and Rose is... Westbrook is a machine that doesn't matter what injury happens to him. He he's back there going a hundred all the time, and and that might be more of the mental makeup than the physical, because Rose he he's gone through a whole lot of things, you know. And last week we were talking about how DeRozan and Love spoke up about mental health. I think there's something to that for Derrick Rose as well. And. If he can be around people who know how to talk to him, know how to get the get get the most out of him, that might mean that might mean a, a lot more than maybe other players in his situation in his circumstance. I'm not saying we're gonna get MVP Rose again, but I think we're gonna get a better version of Rose than we've seen in a long time. Okay, but to that point. This is a dude who had a sprained ankle. 
and from that sprained ankle, he went way into the deep end. Yeah. And everything came out, whether or not he's going to retire, whether or not this is it, whether... And how to, to me, it's like you just don't know when the next thing is. I mean, look, he has a son who I'm, who adores him, who he seems to adore. He, he seems like he has a decent support system. And you know what? I wouldn't be surprised if something like that came out that he's been dealing with some, some, some mental, some emotional issues that has gotten in the way. It's just that it's, I, I don't know. I, you can't feel too good about what you have right now with, with Derek Rose. And that's why going back to that previous statement, when you said, you know, is he in a position where he could take over or keep, help the Wolves while Butler's gone, I'm not sure if that makes a difference. I think he has mm-hmm. more opportunity to, to play. But right. I think what really is going to me is going to have to be the other guys around him stepping up, the the Wiggins and the Carl Anthony Towns and the T. Those are the guys you want to see step up and, and and take over. I think that's where you're going to see that. I'm not sure whether or not he is that guy. I I don't either. Uh, I'm I'm just really I'm just trying to look at this at a, in a very positive lens because. Um, Easily, you can go the other way and say you don't, and just roast the wolves for making this signing. Because why would you bring such a ball dominant player who no longer is at the level that justifies his ball dominance to a team that has rising young stars like Carlton Towns and Andrew Wiggins, who you need to still give the ball to in order to be as successful as possible? You know, that's the flip side of it, right? Because Thibodeau is the kind of guy right. who looks at Rose and he just has those feelings towards him. Right. He's just yeah. like, that's, that's my guy. Yeah, they're the Timberbulls, basically. This, yeah. this, this is the Minnesota Timberbulls, and Thibodeau is trying to recreate as much as possible the, the team, the core that gave him the success, the, the most success he had as a head coach. And, and honestly, I he, think he also feels partly guilty. Because he ran them all through the ground? He ran them to the ground. He he had them play that game one and didn't realize y'all up by who knows how many and still had them running out there. Yeah, until he I, popped his knee. And I think he feels guilty. Well, you know, if he feels so guilty about messing up that core, he can trade He can trade with us to get Luol Dang off our hands, too. That... <laughs> Uh, we wouldn't mind that at all. You you wanna you wanna make amends, you know? Send send us a nice trade offer for Lou Old Dang. It doesn't have to be much. We just want you to take the contract. <laughs> oh boy. So th- how old is th- how old is Lou Old Dang? He's probably like twenty nine at this point. <laughs> he just yeah. he just yeah. seems so much older. I know, I know. I mean, he's a little bit older than than Rose because he came in the league a little, little 32. bit before him. Yeah, yeah, he's only thirty two. That's that's so he's sad, man. Yeah, he was such a good player before. And to me, he's an example of a person who 
chased the money and mm-hmm. he got the money and this is where he is. If he stayed where he was, I think he would still have been a in Miami. Planes. I mean, he had yeah. a, he he kind of he, he kind of bounced he bounced back in Miami. He did after the injuries and he parted ways with Chicago. He bounced back, um, you know. But I mean, who? It's hard to pass up that money, you know. And Mitch Kupchak and and Jim Buss was just they were just walking around with with duffel bags of money, just asking anyone to take it from them. Yeah, man. Think about it. He's gone from being an all star. Averaging 19 points a game and seven rebounds and almost four assists. To a 12th man. And he's played one game this year. Yeah. I mean, he, he, was, he, <laughs> he was also like, I don't know if he didn't come into camp in great shape or what, but even last year, like, he just looked done because they played him a lot last year. They, they tried to get their money's worth out of him last year, and he just looked done. He just looked done, and then at this and then this year it didn't even make sense to play him because you had you had Ingram, you had Kuzma, you had Randall, you had Nance, you had all these guys that you really needed to play over him, and he's fine. Just I don't know, maybe he, I mean I don't want to say he's fine. Like he might be upset he's not playing, They're just keeping it low. But it, you know it, it's a shame, and you know Thibodeau, you know he worked those guys. He he killed Noah. He killed. Dang, he killed Rose. He he killed Butler too. I mean, Butler was like averaging forty minutes per game with Thibodeau, um, and you know he's doing and, and he hasn't changed that much. Like he plays these guys a ton of minutes. Wiggins plays a ton of minutes. Towns plays a ton of minutes. Gibson, Butler. I mean, Butler was playing a ton of minutes before he went down with his knee injury. Um, so this. This is almost like a powder keg moment, I think, for the Wolves bringing in Derrick Rose at this point. Um, this could either be surprisingly good or it can just end up being horribly bad. Like I don't, I don't even know if there's like a a decent possibility. Like, oh, you know what? Well, he's not playing like Derrick Rose of old, but you know what? He's giving him them decent minutes. Like, I don't even think that's a possibility here. I think he either, you know, looks like 75% of MVP Rose there, or he's looked like he did in Cleveland, and it's just like, why'd you even bring him aboard? They're going to give him plenty of opportunity. They're going to give him a chance. Right. They are. They are. And and that's why, that's why I'm a little scared because Thibodeau, he's going to treat him like a star. And that's why Rose went over there too because he, he, knows, he knows he's not going to have to worry about his minutes, his shots. He's going to – he has that trust with Thibodeau. Um, but then you might end up with, in a situation where – Rose is like taking twenty shots per game on a team that has has Towns and has Wiggins, and I don't know, man. I don't, I don't, I don't think he is. I don't, I don't think. Yeah, I don't think he will. You're you're hoping that. You're hoping that. He might have that one game when he's feeling himself, and he probably is like, "Man, I made my first three shots. Let me go and do a heat check and." chuck up another one 
And I think he'll have one of those games where he probably will score, you know, 15 points, you know, and feeling really good. But I would expect that he would just fall in line and just try to not have to prove anything to anybody. He's already said he has nothing to prove. So if he has nothing to prove, then I expect him just to go out there and just play. Yeah, we'll see. I this is, we'll it's see. Not, it's not a lot of confidence there. I'm saying all these things. I I still think at the end of the day, he um, yeah, I, I have no confidence. Right. So, Rose is hoping that he can relive his past glory days with Thibodeau, and that kind of segues nicely into another player we wanted to talk about who who kind of actually is reliving their glory days, and that's Dwayne Wade. Dwayne Wade, he's back in Miami, and he's been playing pretty good for the Miami Heat lately, hasn't he, Leif? Oh, yes. It's like he turned back the hands of time. He's like he's found the fountain of youth over there in Miami. It's almost like living in Miami is more enjoyable than living in Cleveland. No figure. You, 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 who are you telling? Have you been in Miami? <laughs> no, I mean once a long time ago, but right. not not as an adult where I could actually enjoy Miami. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. So I, I I've seen Miami and and I've se- and I've been to Ohio. Yeah. you know and and it's interesting because he didn't come he didn't come back and they automatically rolled out the red carpet for him and they're starting him and he's the lead scorer or anything like that he's come over there he's accepted the 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 bench role the six-man role and he's just like really like playing it's like the 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 reduced role is allowing him to still recapture his height, the height of his powers in that limited amount of time. You know what I mean? Exactly. It is. It's giving him the. It's just a lot of pressure off his shoulders, and I think right now he's literally just having fun. Yeah, I mean, what was that game he had the other day? It was like. 25 points in, like, 22 minutes or something like that. Yeah, he's just having fun right now. It's crazy. He's just there. He's just being, like, the elder statesman. I mean, a lot of those guys were there when when he left to Chicago. So, he you know, he's kind of just being, like, big brother again with a lot of those guys. And he's there. He's a leader. But, you know, it he doesn't have the load on his shoulders. Right. It's almost like it's almost like a win-win for 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 him and the team right now. And that's what he needed. Yeah, and that's what they needed it seems like too. Because they they were floundering a bit. They were scuffling before Wade came back. Um, you know, Whiteside was up and down. You you were asking a lot out of Drogic when it's like Drogic's good, but when you start asking, you know, for him to maybe like play on a level of like Chris Paul or John Wall, then you might be asking for a bit too much, you know? Right. But now 
he can be Drogic, you know, do what he does, and anything he's he's lacking, well, you know, Wade is back now, and Wade can can get that other twenty percent. You know, he come off the bench and bring that other twenty percent, and he's he's making the game easier for a lot of the other guys too. Yeah, so the game is now coming to him, and I think he's that veteran leadership they needed in the locker room. And it's starting to turn their season around. I mean, just a few weeks ago, they were looking horrible. They were, I think at one point, they were lost 8 out of 10. It just seemed like they couldn't find their way. Right, exactly. And so the difference Wade made over there is just something that, hey, he's home. I know he did the whole thing about going to Chicago, but um, going over to Miami, I mean, that's where he, that's where he belongs. So hopefully he doesn't try to do anything funny and leave and find somewhere else. Just make it work in Miami. Stay there. Just make it work. Yeah, I think he will. As I mean, he never really wanted to leave Miami in the first place. Right. He left Miami because Riley played hardball. Um, kind of, kind of did him dirty in a way. And you know, Riley was like, "Oh, you know, well, go find your money because you're not gonna get it here." Probably assuming no one was gonna was gonna give him what he was asking for, and Chicago said, "Hey, come over here, we'll pay you." And it was a nice story to it too. I mean, he's from Chicago, family was in Chicago. You know, he he could he could have his kids there, and they could be around his family. You know, it it checked a lot of boxes that him going there. You know, Miami fans would never have viewed him as a bad guy. It would have completely fell on and Riley and the organization for letting him go, which is pretty much what happened. And, you know, then Chicago imploded. He got his money. He went to Cleveland. Cleveland wanted to go a different direction. He said, all right, send me back home. And they did. They did him a solid, which I appreciated, too. And, and now it's working out for all parties, you know. It's working out for, for the Heat. It's working out for Wade. This is working out for Gabrielle Union, who like tweeted in all caps as soon as they got traded that she was so happy to be going back to Miami. <laughs> you know, so it it worked out. It worked out. You know, him and Riley are good now, I guess. And I I am pretty sure he's just gonna he's just gonna stay there now. He'll work out whatever contract it works out for him and the team, and that that'll be probably his last contract before he retires. Exactly. I, I just think that, like you said, him and him and Riley are good. I I don't even think they were all that bad anyway. I just think it was one of those things where it's like, look, it's business. Mm-hmm. It's business, and this is what it's going to be. I, I would love for you to stay, but I know you're trying to look for this $25 million contract or whatever you think you're getting. You're not getting that because, look, we're not, you know, we're trying to build a team that's going to remain competitive, and for what it's worth, they did without him there. So now yeah. he's back and, you know, he was gone for what, a year and a half? Yeah. So that was it, really. That was it. It seemed longer than that, but it's only been a year and a half. He's back and, well, you know, everything's back to normal. Yeah, everything's back to normal. So so I got to ask you, too, when it comes to the heat. Wait, they're the seventh seed right now. Boston is the two seed. Any upset potential in that matchup? I don't think so. No. Yeah. Yeah, I, I kind of find it hard to see. Although, they do have an interesting setup because 
man, Horford would have a, a tough time with Whiteside in that series. He would. I mean, he's just so much bigger than Horford, and he's gonna he's gonna make he's gonna force Horford to defend the paint a whole lot more than he's used to the to the, you know fight fight on the glass way more than he's used to against most teams. Um, I mean, it's it's just shame. Whiteside is kind of so he's been so inconsistent as he has been this year because you know Whiteside. I mean. Should be talking about Whiteside in the same breath as like Embiid and, and Drummond and 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 these bigs like that. I mean, we were for like a season or two, and yeah, it seemed like he just kind of yeah, yeah. It's it's yeah. He he once kind of almost like when he got once he got his money, he kind of like lost that fire a bit, which you don't which you don't want to see, but that's what's happened. But you never know. I mean, in a seven game series in the playoffs. He's the type of player, he's the type of talent. I mean, he could rise to the occasion. So, it's interesting. I I, I agree. I don't really expect an upset there. Um, but I just thought I'd throw that out there. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I had to do it. I had to do it. All right. So, that wraps up all of our main topics. So, but it takes us now to the dude and the dud of the week. I mean, it's a little different this week, you know. Leif, Leif was struggling. He was struggling. He was like, I, you know, I don't know who I want to pick for dude of the week. I don't know who I want to pick for dud. You know, he's got baseball in the brain. So I said, you know what, Leif, I got you. I got some names. I'm going to put them out there. Talk about being clutch, man. Right. I came through in the clutch, man. I said, put me in. So I'm ready to take these shots. So, you know, we're going to do a little drum roll, right? So for the dude of the week, dude of the week, life. You ready for this? I'm ready, man. Go for it. We've been talking about him, like it seems like all month. We didn't talk about him this episode, up until now. But my dude of the week is Anthony Davis. Nice. Anthony Davis. He's been playing like an MVP the last few weeks. We spoke about that last week, and then all of a sudden. Mild tragedy struck. He left the game, sprained his ankle, had to miss another game. Then it kind of it, it kind of became okay. Here we go again. Uh, Anthony Davis with another injury, right? Well, he comes back the game after that, and he doesn't just come back, but he has an amazing game. Ten block triple double. Ten block triple double, Lace. <laughs> I know It just seems laughable It's like what can't this guy do You know I thought it was I thought he had 10 assists I was like man 10 assists and then I saw it was 10 blocks I was like man It's I mean It's it's another level It's another level It's another, another stratosphere Whatever you want to say it, He just keeps Surprising you just when you think you've seen everything he can do, he finds another gear, he finds another level, and the crazy thing is he just turned 25. Yeah. Just turned 25, and he had an amazing game, had an amazing triple-double. 11 rebounds, 10 blocks, 25 points. I mean, unfortunately, they still lost, but... 
I still gotta give it to him. You get a ten block triple double, you're you're my dude of the week. I mean, it still looks good to me on the stat sheet. Yeah. It ain't your fault. <laughs> yeah. You know, I I do gotta knock the Pelicans coaching staff though, because they did play him forty minutes right after he he came back from a sprained ankle. They don't know what else to do, man. They feel like they gotta keep him on the court. I know. It's like I I know, but you want you need this guy in the playoffs. You need him. You're the fourth seed right now. You gotta manage his minutes. You 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 can't play like you're 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 in the ninth seed and the tenth seed in this dog fight. I mean I mean you are, but you do have some cushion. You gotta play this a little smarter. You gotta think a little more long term because what benefit uh, is it for you if you get into the West as like the sixth seed, but you've lost Anthony Davis for for the playoffs, right? Right. So. I think they're gonna have to. They gotta manage this, and and this is a guy you know. He gets he gets dinged up. He gets nicked. Everything adds up with him, you know. Whether he gets a hip bruise, you know, he he falls down awkward. He's he's out with with a with a bad back. These are the type of things where he misses games from. So so you gotta manage his minutes better. So Alvin Gentry, that coaching staff, they gotta do better with that. They gotta they gotta look. They gotta really think about uh, preserving this guy because. Not only is he a phenomenal talent, he's literally your only avenue for success. Right. And so you have to find a way. You, you feel like you have to give him some rest. But it's tough, man, because right now it's yeah, it's hard. Yeah, it, it is hard. And it's, I, I don't, you know, I don't begrudge them and, and their, the decisions they have to make is it, tough. But, you know, this goes back to, you know, not to spend too much time, but the Pelicans as an organization do need to make adjustments. Like, they sh- they've shared. I don't know if it's still the case this year. I think it is. I mean, they've shared for the better part of like half a decade the same training staff as the New Orleans Saints. And I don't know about you, but last time I checked, football and basketball are two different sports. <laughs> it is. You know, the way you train for football is not the way you train for basketball. The way you treat injuries in football is not the way you treat injuries in basketball. You don't even, a lot of times you don't even encounter the same type of injuries in football and basketball. So that was always weird how they were, you know, basically using the same training staff. And that's because the owner, he, he he's kind of frugal. I mean... Guys, for they like signing bad contracts, but they don't like spending the money for infrastructure. Um, so, but they they just gotta get smarter so they can preserve this guy because we need to see him in the playoffs. We need to see these performances on the biggest stage against the best teams. That we need it. Well, we have what fifteen so games left, so we just gotta get through these fifteen games. Right, just get through these games. Healthy. Yeah, just that's get through all. these games. Yeah. All right, so now I got to go to my dud of the week. That was my dude of the week. Now I got to go to my dud of the week. And my dud of the week is Kevin Durant. It's Kevin Durant. Is this the fr- I mean, he's been, yeah, he's gotten dud a, a couple of times already, no? This is my first time, I think, saying he All should right. get the dud. I think you might have given him. I think you gave it to him before. And, and it's kind of for the same reasons. Like, I I don't know, man. I'm I'm just kind of done with the Kevin Durant experience this year. I really am. 
Not I'm, a fan. I'm not a fan of it. I'm not. I'm not a fan of the fake tough guy. I'm not. A, I'm not a fan of all of these uh, unnecessary technical fouls and ejections he's getting. And then you know, the other day they're playing the Blazers. They're losing, right? They're losing. And you know, he he finds you know he finds the moment in the game to get into a into it with a fan enough that he's blowing them kisses. You know he's getting he's you know he's getting into the I think the fan might have got ejected. Who knows what the fan said? The fan might have said something inappropriate, but it it just it just continues a theme where Durant has, has just not been in control of his emotions for the whole season. He hasn't shown any discipline, and he hasn't really shown any leadership on on the team this season. If you ask me, yeah. He's he's he also says something else this week when he was talking about how like disjointed. I don't say it was disjointed, but how without Curry on the court, how they just kind of just do whatever and then figure it out while they up there. And and and, and his comments like that terrible just, comment, terrible that just, comment that just tells me like man, at this point you should be a leader. Like, you should say, yeah, we're on the court, we, we play, you know, when he's not there, we all got to step up. I mean, those are the blueprints of what you say. Yeah. Everyone knows that's what you say. And the fact that he got up there and he just dropped the ball when it came to that, it was just very disheartening. It was just very depressing. It's like, that's the best you have? Right. And, and that goes to my other reason for why he's my dad of the week. Because, you know, Curry, he... um. You know, he went down with his ankle. He tweaked his ankle, so he, he's missed the last couple games. Yeah. Um, maybe he could, if it was the playoffs, maybe he could play, but, you know, they're being safe. They're being precautious. They're being preventative, so they're sending him out. And really, when you have a team like the Warriors, you should be able to afford a couple of games without Steph Curry, you would assume, right? Right. I mean, not for nothing, when when Durant has to sit out, this team does not miss a beat. When Curry's in the game and Durant out due to injury, whatever the case, this team still clicks and they play at a very high level. They still play like the best team in the league. But when it's the opposite, when Curry has to sit out and it's KD show, this looks like a very beatable team. They look like they just look like one of the other good teams they don't look like the great team like the best team in the league and I mean we all know Durant doesn't want to be the guy he doesn't want to be the alpha that's part of why he went to Golden State and that was part of why Oklahoma City never really was able to get over the hump because he was the best talent wise he was the best player on that team but Westbrook was clearly the alpha and now he's on this team, and when there's moments where he needs to be the alpha, you know, I think I, I I feel disappointed in most of those occasions. He had a phenomenal finals. He got the finals MVP. I mean, that's all well and good, but I'm still going to call him a dud because I don't understand how Stephen A. and all these other guys can say he is the second best player in the league. He's on LeBron's level. But this team is so clearly reliant on Steph Curry more than they are Kevin Durant. Right. I just that that math does not add up to me. If Curry 
is the more irreplaceable player, how is Kevin Durant the better player? Just because, I guess, what he's able to do is not shooting. Because he's seven feet? Is that why? Yeah, I mean, that's part of it. And just the style of play. You just kind of say, you know what, this guy has, he kind of does a lot more in in your eye. I mean, Curry, that's not taking anything away from Curry, but, I mean, that's just what it is. Yeah, I get it. I I just think we I think we have to we as basketball fans and people who write and cover the league. I think in general everyone just has to maybe get a little bit smarter about this conversation. And you know he he got back to back MVPs, but you and I both know there was this underlying storm of public opinion that was very ready to not give Curry his due. It was coming, it was coming, it was coming. Like, look at the guy was clearly the best player on this on this Warriors team for several years. They didn't give him finals MVP when they won the first time. They gave it to Iguodala. And then, you know, when they lost, a lot of people put it on his shoulders that he's not good enough. And then when they got Durant, they're like, okay, now that they now they're ready to really go against LeBron because they have Durant. Curry's not on that level. Right. But by and large, this team plays much better when Curry is is the front is the focal point. And if and how can Durant le- objectively be the better player when you're on the same team with this other guy and that guy is is more irreplaceable than you are? That doesn't make sense to me. It, <laughs> I, I I agree with what you're saying. I'm I'm not denying what you're saying at all. Like like, Pippen was an amazing player. He was probably, depending on who you ask, maybe the better defender between him and Jordan because he would guard like the playmaker, the point guard. He would he would guard all these different positions. He would, he would do all these things. He would play the point. He was very versatile. He did a lot of different things that allowed Jordan to play the way he played. No one ever misunderstood and said that Pippen was better than Jordan. No. Because if Pippen got if Pippen could not play, that team would not miss a beat if they had Jordan. Now we know what happened when Jordan wasn't there. They were they were good, but they were not as great as they were with Jordan. I feel like I mean I'm not calling Curry Jordan, but at the same, but I feel like that discussion is kind of the same. Like people see all the how Durant is you know perhaps more versatile and can do a lot of different things that Curry does just physically doesn't have the capacity to do. But when you're talking about impact on the court, like I really don't see how you can tell me Durant is more impactful on the court than Stephen Curry. Curry has won a ring without Durant. Durant has not won a ring without Curry. And he won't. And he had arguably 
better teammates than Curry had when Curry won his title. Well, remember, he's the reason why they forfeited that 3-1 lead against Golden State. I still stand by that. I, he played bad. He, he he choked away those games. I agree. But but you see, this is what I'm saying. It's like everyone feels like Durant's clearly the better player. He's the second best player in the league. But Durant, and I, I know some of those years were lost due to injuries with, with different players. But th- Durant played on a team with James Harden, Russell Westbrook, and Serge Ibaka. Say what you want about Klay Thompson. Say what you want about Draymond Green. Say what you want about even Harrison Barnes when they had him. Those players, while very good and were and while very maximized by Steve Kerr, by Mark Jackson, by the front by the front office, and in Golden State, talent wise, none of those guys like for like like Klay Thompson is not as good as James Harden. He's just not. You know, Serge Ibaka, I mean, in his prime, I'd probably take Serge Ibaka over Draymond Green. And Curry and Westbrook, that's kind of a wash, you know. So he had more talented players, teammates around him, and he's doing more now because he's not the guy. Curry's the guy on that team. I, I, I I just don't know how you can tell me, like, Durant is the man and the best player on that team. Curry's still the best player on that team. And if he's the best player on that team, Durant is not the second best player in the league. <laughs> you got a good point there. I mean, the argument is solid. Uh, that's just me. And and I think it's it's just kind of a travesty that as soon that like all of a sudden like Curry to a lot of people is kind of just like a sidekick. Or a secondary mm-hmm. player on that team. Oh, I wouldn't call him a sidekick. I mean, that's us talking. But but he's an afterthought, you know? That whole final series, first take, all that stuff, they're talking about LeBron versus Durant. That was the whole thing, right? Right. When the Warriors beat the Cavs, Stephen Andy's got, oh, Durant has now risen to the level of LeBron James. He's coming for the title. They're saying, everyone's saying he's coming for the crown to be the best player in the league. He's not the best player on his team. I I, 100% do not believe Kevin Durant is the best player on his own team. Stephen Curry is the best player on the Warriors. Wow, you really went in on today on him, huh? I, I did. I, it's just, I've been looking at it all year. I've been looking at it all year. And, you know, I saw it in the finals. I, I really did not like how much credit he got for for that finals win and how, like, like basically people acted like he was the missing link for that team. The Warriors won 73 games without him. And that was their third straight year going to the finals. But, you know, okay, Kevin Durant, now he makes them a dynasty. Really? It's an abundance of riches is really what it amounts to. But but Cur- Curry is is the guy on that team. Curry is a is a trans, is a generational player. People don't talk about him like that because, you know, he's not 6 foot 8 and he doesn't jump out the gym. But Curry is a generational player. We have never seen a player that shoots like Curry. The league in general 
has been forever changed because of the way Stephen Curry plays. The weapon he's made out of the three-point shot, the way he demoralizes teams with a three-point shot, the way he can extend the court, the space of the court to the 35-foot range from the hoop, that has dramatically changed the NBA over the last few years. And it's, and it's hard to defend. There's it, it, really yes, nothing you can do. It's almost impossible to defend. This you know, this dude is six three, six four, and he changed the whole geometry of the basketball court. Are like are we really saying that we're gonna see a that we're likely to see another Stephen Curry anytime soon? We're gonna have a lot of players that play in that mold. Like even Damian Lillard. Damian Lillard plays in the mold of, of a Stephen Curry. But would anyone say that he's as good or equal to Stephen Curry? No. No, I mean, he's really good, but he's not there. Just like there were Jordan light players, but they were never Jordan, right? There's LeBron light players, but they're not LeBron. So I think it's the same way with Curry. He he has done something. He has, he has changed the game in a way we haven't seen since Jordan has came, since Magic and Bird came. He, he's really changed the game on that level, if you ask me. And I think that's the unique thing about Curry is that he's adding something that really wasn't a big thing before. And now that he's this three-point shot is such a weapon, he can shoot it with consistency. Before, it was one of those shots where you kind of look at a guy who's about to take that shot and immediately in your mind, you're like, no, 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 don't do it, don't. And then, but with him, it's kind of like, all right, you're about to get it right now. And even if he's six feet behind a three-point line and he takes a shot, you're like, yeah, that's, yeah. that's, that's probably going in. He's completely changed the way we consume basketball. Because even when he was first doing it, we're like, those are terrible shots he's taking. And he kept doing it. He kept making them to the point where we had to realize, you know what, for him, that's a good shot. And now we've changed it so... We don't even care if someone 7-2 takes a three-pointer now because that's how much the way Curry has played, you know, and, and Clay Thompson too. But, I mean, Curry, Curry has, he, he, to me, he's, he's generational. He's revolutionary. Like, we, he's just one of those rare players that, you know, he comes in the league, changes the way you think about the game, and then you, you're looking for the next version of him for, like, the next 15 years. Exactly. So that that is my KD dud rant, which was really that it's a travesty how we've gone, we've gone. I mean, I guess there was a point where you could have said Curry was getting over, um, oversaturated, like there was too much Steph Curry or whatever. Now we've gone to the point where we we were underrating him completely. We're not we're we're not truly understanding how great of a player he is still. Right. We're, we're kind of ignoring it. Yeah. It's kind of like, what have you done for me lately? Right. Right. And, and it's, um, he set his own bar, you know, we're at, we, you know, we, you talk about people talk about like, he's like having an off year because he's not shooting 45% from three. 
Like anyone else shoots 45% from three, we lose our minds. But if he's only at 40, let's see, quote unquote, only at 40% or 38, 39%, what's going on with Curry? What's, all, what he, what's up with him, right? So that just, it just goes to prove my point. And, you know, and Durant's comments and the way they've been playing without Curry, you know, they got handled by the Blazers. Then they lost to the Wolves, and the Wolves have been struggling. No Jimmy Butler, been struggling, been losing to a bunch of teams. The Warriors, you know, they the Warriors are such a loaded team. We all know that they're a loaded team. Like saying Curry's out or Kevin Durant's out or Klay Thompson's out, any one of those guys is out, that's not enough for you to assume they're going to lose a game. You still expect them to win those games. Exactly. Someone else is going to step up. Yeah, like someone else has to step up. Someone else needs to step up, and and you know for the, and f- get all getting all these technicals, all this tough guy stuff, you know, getting getting like shovey and handsy and pushy with people, and you know, just always always on edge. He just he's just always on edge, and he's just he's like a ticking time bomb. And I don't really know where it comes from, but it's it's not really. It's not really MVP candidate, you know, top two, top three player in the league, whatever you want to call him, material. It's, that's not the, the, the behavior you expect from that, that level of player. So he's my dud of the week. Hope he gets his act together. I used to be a big KD fan. And now you're not? Nah, not really. Wow. What a fall. Yeah. That's when I thought he, uh, you know, I used to think he was a nice guy. I was really, I was really happy for him when he got the MVP trophy. Really expect, really respected how he thanked all his teammates and everything. But he, he's not that guy now. He's not. He's a, he's a different person now. So. Well, yeah. That's my dud. Can't knock it. So, I think that's it for us. That's going to wrap it up. Yes, it is. That was uh that was my spicy spicy take of the day of the night, and thank you guys for listening. You know where you can catch us as always on on Apple Podcasts, on Google on Google Play, on the Overcast app, um, on SoundCloud. We're on all of those avenues. Check, look out for the episodes on Twitter, on Facebook. We post them there. Um, Facebook.com slash Pace and Space Podcast, you know, and at Pace and Space Pod on Twitter. And we're going to start putting some new content up on the site soon, so look out for that. Um, if you want to read anything else we do, uh, I write for SB Nation, um, the soccer blog Hudson River Blue. You can also find some of my work on Medium.com. You can check it out there, and you will soon see some more content on DSL Reporter. Dot com. So that's all I had to say. Leif, talk to the people. Man, you sure gave him a lot of information there. <laughs> man, that's all good. Again, I'd like to thank everyone for listening. We're going to keep giving you awesome pods to listen to. And as always, Calvin, stay woke and stay mellow. Peace.